you're listening to the Fearless Business Podcast. You're in the best place to learn about how to grow a business, get more clients, and make more money without fears and limitations, all while having fun in the process. Robin Waite is the founder of Fearless Business, a business accelerator helping coaches, consultants, and freelancers double their income and more. Now here's your host, Robin Waite. Welcome back, everybody. It's the next episode of the Fearless Business Podcast. I'm your host, Robin Waite, the Fearless Business Coach. I've got a very esteemed guest with me today who has um, almost close to two decades uh, experience in building online courses, um, various different guises. So I'm excited to um, welcome Andrew Barry onto the Fearless Business Podcast today. Welcome. Thank you, Robin. I'm super excited to be here. Awesome. So Andrew is a program director of the Course Creative Fellowship um, for On Deck uh, and owner of Curious Lion. He's been a ghostwriter for some of the top corporate training programs and online courses for the past 15 years. He believes in democratized future of online education that is built on transformational courses created by hands-on practitioners. That's a mouthful. Uh, <laughs> he lives in New York City with his wife and his young son. And we're going to learn all about um, Andrew in due course throughout this podcast. Um, but I want to jump um, straight into hopefully adding some value to the various different coaches, consultants, and freelancers who are listening in and um, ask you, why, why online courses? What value can we derive from online courses in the current day and age? Yeah, so I, I'm so, so bullish about online courses right now. I think as a quick sort of uh, context setting, we've we've had this especially this last year, right, with the pandemic and, and the whole world being locked down, this acceleration of what was already there, the technology and the ability for people to essentially scale their ability to help people. And, and so, you know, it started way back with MOOCs and then became cohort-based courses and um, online education has just constantly gotten better and better. And in this last year, we saw people just flocking to take online courses. And we've seen some, what I call superstar teachers start to, 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 to materialize and people just putting out these incredible courses, selling them out three, four, five times a year. And I, what I, I, why I'm so bullish about this is if you are a coach or a consultant and you're able to help people individually, multiple times, there is only one thing separating you from being able to scale that impact to hundreds of thousands, potentially of people. And that's the ability to teach. And it is truly just a skill. It's something that you can learn. It is not. And I think recognizing the fact, first of all, that it is a skill that needs to be learned because it's not something that comes intuitively to a lot of people, um, especially experts. Experts suffer from the knowledge curse, right? And that's this, you have these, these uh, assumptions and intuition that you, don't, that you take for granted. And learning how to teach helps you connect those dots, for students. And, and yeah, like I said, it just helps you scale that ability that you have already to help people one-on-one -on -one and to be able to help one to many. I'm so glad you talked about that, the difference between one, one on one and one to many, because um, one of the things personally, which held me back for quite a long time as a coach was um, uh, my, my own ego. And I don't mean that in a, in a negative way. I used to think that the results were directly attributed to me spending one on one time with a client. 
And I always thought that in the group, you're never going to get that same sort of um, impact. And I mm. think that's one of the, the, the and, and eventually I got to a point whereby I only had the capacity to work with say 20 clients at any one particular time on, as a one-to-one coach, driving all over the countryside, delivering coaching. And um, that kind of forced my back to the wall and made me think about, well, how could I take what I've learned as a, as a coach and how I've um, help the clients to date and actually turn it into a transformational program on a one-to-many basis. So we'll start with, um, let's unpack like what other things, you know, that's what held me back for quite a long period of time. What other things do you think stop people from moving into delivering courses and to a group and then especially on in the online space? Yeah. I mean, it's hard. It, first and foremost, it's a really difficult thing to do. And it takes a lot of time to do it really well. I love that you said transformational online courses because that's the key. Learning isn't just about the transfer of knowledge. It's about the transformation of the students. And those are two polar opposite things, right? Um, the easy part is to record a bunch of videos of you talking through your stuff or writing a bunch of blog posts on what you're good at and then just broadcasting that to people but that doesn't actually create any real value because like you said um the the even in a, in a group setting the what people really need help with is implementation right that's like you've seen this in your business i think anybody listening will know that that the value comes from helping people implement ideas right? ideas themselves don't have a lot of intrinsic value maybe they have intrinsic value, but they don't have like practical real world value. And so if you can translate that knowledge into, and, and there's still room for broadcasting, you, you, it's called pre-training, but it's something that you still want to do and introduce people to concepts. But what you should be focusing on is the transformation. And, um, and like I said, to, to answer your question, it's the hardest thing to do. It's really, really challenging. And there's a lot of work that goes into that, but there is a method to do it. Cool. Well, let's, let's dive into the methodology behind it. So where's a good place for a coach or consultant to start with? Um, I, I guess there's some kind of planning which goes into it. And I'm guessing there's a series of steps that ideally they can follow. So where do we start with creating a course? Yeah. So I, I talk about, um, okay, so we'll talk about the starting point and then there's these three P's that I, that I always talk about, which I think is helpful to, to anybody listening to really kickstart your, your course design. But the starting point of all of this is clarifying what your transformation is. It's a lot like Robin, what you talk about with the value proposition, like to me, and actually the, the teaching elements of it and the marketing element are very, there's a lot of overlap between that. Um, a lot of marketing is education. A lot of education, there is some marketing. You have to, you have to get someone's attention, right? So starting with that, what is the transformation that you can promise? It should be framed in terms of the students um, and it should be very action oriented, right? So that's the key. Like by the end of this course, you will be able to fill in the blank, right? Um, from there, you you work backwards. And you and by the way, the beginning of all of this, as it is with marketing, is identifying who your student is. Um, so once you've got their transformation, you go to the beginning and you say, well, where they're coming in from? So what level of prior knowledge do they have? And now you've mapped out a journey, right? And that's, that's now you then fill in the gaps. I'm going to go back to that knowledge curse. It's sort of, okay, well, what are the, how do we connect the dots between the prior knowledge and that transformation? That becomes your learning journey, which doesn't have to be linear. Um, it could be a sort of map of these are the things you need to know. But now you've basically got all the building blocks that you need to create your course. 
Um, and so we get into, when I'm working with course creators, we get into all the different ways you want to start to first structure that information as you, you drill down into each of those dots that you've connected. Um, and we talk about delivery. Um, but I'll talk about, I'll mention the three P's quickly, because this is a helpful framework to look at all of that through. And the three P's are basically personal meaning, prompts to action and peer to peer learning, right? So personal meaning is uh, no student is going to complete any course unless they have, it, they've connected it with a, a personal reason for doing the course, right? So, um, you know, if you teach people, um, how to, you know, how to grow their business and, and how to clarify the value prop and, and increase their prices and, unless that's something that really aligns with what they're trying to do in their life. In fact, you actually go about this. That's sort of how you start your whole process. I think, right. It's like really yeah. getting them to think about what they want out of it. And I just say like, you want to connect with your students want with what you think and know that they need. That's, that's sort of the bridge to get that transformation. Um, so that's personal meaning put a whole bunch of reflection questions basically in your course and get them to be thinking about why they're taking it. Um, the, the, so prompts to action is to get them to take action goes back to what we were saying, right? Implementation is the key, um, here. And so you need to be designing as the expert, what, what should they do next? How should they go and apply this? What, you know, and, and then build the reflection into that as well. So now that they get real, what that's what learning is, right? Do reflect, it's like feedback loop. Um, so, so that's, that's the second one. And then the peer to peer learning is, I think what everyone who's been in this online course world has seen just come to the fore this past year is the communities that, that come up around learning, uh, around courses. And it's, um, and there's a lot of in interesting instructional design ways you can, you can set in your program to maximize that, to get people to think about accountability groups, as students where they, they have small groups of people that they get together with and do the work that you've set for them. Um, and then journey groups kind of having mentors that you can go to where it's slightly bigger group. And you just talk about the, the challenges you take, you have taking the next step. Um, so that's, that's the peer to peer piece. So I think if you hit those three things, personal meaning prompts to action and peer to peer learning, you you've got a very solid, uh, foundation for your course. Yeah. It's really interesting what you're saying actually, because when, when the pandemic kicked off in, um, in March here in, in the UK and, and April and the, the, sort of the months thereafter, um, we actually changed our core values for fearless business around quite a lot. So I already had that group program running, um, but we made um, community our, our number one core value during the lockdown and during the pandemic, because yeah. I found that it did really help to kind of bring people together and that extra level of accountability, you know, and people were like, you know, quite rightly, like really worried about what the future of their business was going to be through all of this. So, you know, that, that you can't underestimate the power of having that, um, um, accountability group around you. And it's not just to be, you know, it's not the Robin White show. It's not led by me. It's led by our, our team of coaches. It's it's led by, you know, all of the clients as well. And we put them into accountability buddies. So we get, gave them all accountability buddy, put them into small groups, some of them. Uh, we made sure that they all got onto the, the, the right coaching calls at the right time. And that made a huge difference in terms of Absolutely. kind of the results which they could expect. Yeah. Um, I had a question as well. So you, you've worked with a number of different, um, uh, business owners over, you know, 15 years. So, um, what sort of results can you expect or what sort of results have you actually seen when people have kind of taken on board the, your process and the three P's, 
Um, have you got specific case studies that you can identify where it's created sort of enormous growth for their business? Yeah. Uh, so this sort of all comes down to this idea that, that I've talked about a little bit um, called, not today, I, I've written about, uh, written about it called, so this, this idea that if you do deliver a transformation for your students and you can do that at scale, which all of the other things I mentioned help you do that you create this armada of alumni ambassadors for your program. And that's probably, as you know, uh, one of the best marketing tools you could ever have, right? Just this infinite source of referrals, um, uh, you know, capped only by the amount of people you can get through the program and that you're delivering these transformations to. So um, one of the best examples of this was a mutual friend of ours, Ali Abdal, um, now, let me preface this by saying I played a very small part in Ali's overall course, which was phenomenally well done and put together from the beginning. Um, but he brought me in to help develop this idea I talked about earlier, the journey sort of group, so the mentors. Um, he, we called them peer supporters for his program. And the and so basically what it was, five people, they each hosted a, an hour session. And Ali's, so that first cohort had 350 people, right? So there is no way he, as an individual, could have ever touched all 350 personally, right? Although he definitely tried um, and got to most of them. But the, the five uh, mentors that he had or peer supporters were able to do that with their sessions. And what we found is that people would start to go, they'd you know, identify or gravitate towards one of them particularly, and they would attend every session of theirs each week. And... Um, and so what you found was just this like tight little communities that were popping up within this overall community of 350 people. And it was, I mean, just phenomenal. Like I, sort of all culminated. That, that, so what happens in these mental groups is becomes, there's a lot of vulnerability that gets aired because when you have the main session, so Ali's doing is, you know, I call these destination sessions, 350 people in it. First of all, not everyone's going to get a chance to talk. In fact, hardly anyone is. There's a lot to cover. Um, and it's, it's also more just about the destination. So it's very aspirational and inspirational. Whereas, and that's important, but as a student, you also worried about just taking the next step, you know, just trying to figure out like how to whatever, in his case, you know, get in front of a camera and record yourself. Um, and so the mental sessions become the space for that vulnerable discussion around that. Like how do, you know, just all those challenges get aired. And, and so relationships get a lot stronger, tighter. Um, and we saw this just in the final week, the final session as well. They did this amazing like Academy Awards type thing, Oscars for, for all the videos people were making. And it was just this really emotional release, this catharsis of learning. And people just went through this journey. Like, a, you know, it was four weeks, I think, four weeks sprint of learning. And they were, you could see that, you know, the difference in the videos that they were producing, right. Which goes back to the prompts to action as well. Like, so they saw like their first video and their fourth video and it was like, wow, like how much I improved. So it, it was just amazing. And, and I think then you find, I think every, I mean, one of the cool things that happened with this is so many people then made YouTube videos reviewing Ali's course. And so you just got all this like free marketing, blanketing YouTube, <laughs> like it's phenomenal, right? Because everyone had this genuinely transformational experience. And what what else would you want to do once you, that's happened to you is tell other people about it, right? 
Hundred percent, and I feel we should we should um, qualify. Like so, Ali Abdul, you can go and check out his YouTube channel. I think he's um, just about to breach one point five um, million subscribers as well, which is quite phenomenal. And his yeah. course is called the Part Time YouTubers Academy. Uh, he he, we should maybe ask him for some sponsorship because he's just had a very yeah. <laughs> like five minutes worth of a plug there. But I, I did the first version of um, PYTA, and it was um, it it was it was such fun, and just um, like Ali's um, one of the those people who's just very humble uh, but very abundant as well with his knowledge and just wanted to help as many people as he possibly could um and i don't think without the structure which he helped him to create with the course that he would have ever been able to deliver it to that many people and make such a big impact and you know and they, he's since been able to sort of learn from that and um it was quite interesting because me and him had conversations about how to price it and various things like that mm. so maybe we could touch on the pricing side of it as well i know i, I talk yeah. a lot about pricing but it's interesting to hear it from your perspective how do you go about actually pricing course? How much do you charge? Yeah. I mean, this is definitely one of the biggest challenges any person has. So first of all, one of the things that I've just started thinking about more recently since we've actually last spoke is this idea of viewing your online course as a product within an ecosystem and not as your whole business, right? I think that's something that would resonate quite with deeply with you. And I think a lot of people listening as well, that um, so first of all, that becomes a, a fundamental shift. And then you start to think, well, I can create layers of value for people that maybe the course becomes the culminating piece in it, right? Or maybe it's not, maybe your, your culminating piece is, is the one-on-one -on -one work that you do with people. Um, in fact, with Ali's one was, you know, he had a sort of an executive program. So there was an entry fee for the course, and then you could do like this executive package, which was, you know, more access to him basically. Um, so, so first of all, I think of it in layers and, and you think I, I'm even playing around with the idea of like creating a really, really like well-produced, amazingly done email course. And instead of using it as a top of the funnel, I mean, it's still sort of top of the funnel, but not given away for free, right? Actually charge five bucks for it, like the price of a coffee or something, right? So that um, there is still some associated value that people that are getting, which is over and above what you're already sharing on Twitter and all that, right? Which is also, I think, first of all, just share insane value with people for free, then layer on these things. So then have like a $5 email course or whatever. Um, and then, um, so now to answer your question more, more, more directly, I think it's hard to give numbers here, right? Because it, it is a kind of across the map, but I look at it as, can you, can you provide value like on demand self-paced value? Okay. And that, that's, that has a, that has a, some value in itself. Um, which is probably going to be, it's going to be another step up from your email course. It's going to be you recording some videos, sharing through some examples, giving people like the, the why and the what of what you're teaching. Then you've got this other value, which is the big one, which is the implementation, right? And that's where the sort of live cohorts come in, the group coaching, that kind of stuff. Um, and that's where you, you're helping people take it on what you're saying and actually implement it in their, in their day to day. And that's very specific. It's, it's consulting basically. Um, and then, you know, maybe then you, you have like the, your bigger packages on top of that. So I, I think, you know, I, you get courses across the map now from a thousand dollars, sort of that live level implementation stuff to $4,000, right? A passage is, is an example of that now. I mean, Ali's, I think around 2,500, 3,000. Um, the point is, I think you could probably charge more than you think, right? Yeah. Yeah, hundred percent, and I, I totally agree with that. And I think what's um, a lot of people kind of um, look at it. I think you said this right at the start. They look at their course it, it, as a single product in its own little like bubble 
that there is only one kind of route to market with that one product. And actually the, the reality is that, especially when it comes to courses, people have their own preferred platforms and ways of learning. So that's why you've got the difference between, you've got Amazon Prime Video, you've got Netflix, but you've got also got BBC iPlayer, and then you could just go and binge watch stuff on YouTube if you wanted to mm. and let the algorithm do its work, right? Mm. So, you know, if there was one, one right way to do it, we wouldn't have all of this multitude of different platforms out there. And it's the same for when it comes to courses. You know, you've got, um, you could set up a, a, a cheap or, you know, free, very inexpensive course on something like Udemy, or you could make a slightly more polished course and put it onto Skillshare. Um, you could do your entire course as a playlist if you wanted to on YouTube and it would be entirely yeah. free um, yeah. and you can monetize it through, you know, ads. There's, there's what my point here is there's so many different roads which lead to Rome, but yeah. there are a select group of people out there who need the community. They need the accountability of a coach to be able to bounce questions off. They need that executive level support. And mm -hmm. so there is always space to have these sort of multiple thousands of pounds or dollars Yep. you know, price tag on courses, even up to, I've seen courses sell for six figures plus, you know, which are mm -hmm. majority self-paced, but then with that access to that, you know, that expert, a Frank Kern yeah. or a, uh, the guy with the big hands was named Tony Robbins, you know, that sort of thing. I mean, so just another thing you've, you've reminded me about and talk about a lot is that the, whatever that spectrum of value is for that, that last thing, the reason Tony Robbins can charge as much as he does um, is also you got to frame it in terms of the students, right? So how much is that value to them, right? What will they, going back to that transformation, what that thing they'll be able to do differently, how much is that worth to them, right? That's another frame to kind of look look through this. Well, hey, look, you could, you could I, I totally get that. Outcomes and results, you could make a one video course which delivers a million dollars worth of value to somebody. And it's, it's a minute long, one video, and it tra totally transforms their lives. Why should they just mm -hmm. pay for a minute? Surely mm -hmm. you would pay something like 10 or 50K to get mm -hmm. access to that one minute of footage that's going to generate you a million dollars, you know? So totally. there's a huge amount, huge amount of value potential in there, which you've got to unlock. Yeah. Yeah. You're obviously very passionate about online courses. You've made this kind of, uh, to, um, without being too trite, your life's work, basically. Um, and the work which you're doing through on deck is um, um, very inspirational. So how, how did you get into online courses in the first place? Yeah. Yeah. So um, it, it's been it, over 15 years. Um, initially, I have a chartered accountant by background. Um, those in, in the UK will know what that means, CPA here in America. Um, growing up in South Africa, that's what I did. As soon as I could, I got into the training side of those businesses. Um, KPMG was the firm. That's a big part of their thing, right? So everyone goes to these week-long trainings. So I just fell in love with the idea of teaching people, getting up in front of a room of workshops and, and doing that. Um, I came to the States. I started working in our, in our group here that helped develop those. And then I got into like the science of it and really just started, I just started like absorbing books and articles and research papers on that. So I just really geeked out of, about it. Um, and it comes back to like just doing something that you just enjoy doing. I don't, that doesn't seem like work to me. I, I like figuring that stuff out. Um, and so that's where it all got started. Um, and so I, I stopped at a, a I left KPMG, worked at a startup where I was their head of learning, helped like solidify that with a, more research. And then for the last five years, I've been running Curious Line, um, as you, as you said at the beginning. Um, and so what we've been doing is helping companies primarily, and more recently individuals, course creators take their ideas and turn them into transformational 
training. Um, and that's been just amazing. So much fun that I get to do that on a, on a daily basis. Um, it was not easy. It, anyone who's listening who has uh, their own business or an agency or anything like that will know it's not an easy thing to do. But I think if you keep at it and you keep providing value and you enjoy it, so that gives you that motivation to keep going. Um, it's It's been just it just grows and grows and it's grown like nice and slow and steady, uh, you know, up until now. And then this, this past year, I started writing a lot more publicly about it and sharing on Twitter, my ideas and writing a lot of blog posts. And at that point, and just sharing the, you know, it's 15 years of experience that looked like an overnight success in that, that overnight success became on deck, giving me, you know, reaching out and, and the founder, Eric Torenberg and I jumping on a call one Saturday uh, here in, in New York and I'm walking with my son strapped to my chest and we're just talking about his vision for online courses. And I'm talking about mine. I had just announced on Twitter a month or so before that I was going to do a course on online courses. And we just, it was exactly the same shared vision of what that should look like and what the potential could be. And so it was a no brainer. So I, I um, decided to, to join them. Um, I still, I still have the curious line business, but my main focus now is on creating this course for online courses. And you talk about something called, um, so there's a fellowship for course creators. How does that fit into on deck? Cause there's a lot going in on, on with on deck. And I think yeah. it could be confusing to the outside sort of viewer. So it's yeah. useful to kind of ratify kind of what, what, what the on deck ecosystem is, is about. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a, a fascinating story in itself as well, but essentially started with um, Eric Torenberg ran a bunch of dinners um, for founders in the Bay area in San Francisco um, to the term on deck means that their people have like sold their company or they've left a, a, an early stage startup with an exit and they're looking for their next thing. Right. So it's, that's being on deck. And so you organize these dinners and you get these founders together. And the idea was to help them find like their next co-founder and, you know, start ideas together, start, start businesses together. Um, and so that's how it began. It then grew into a, fellowship program. So an eight week program that took people through a bunch of fireside chats and a lot of just great content and then created opportunities for people to meet. And then last year with the accelerants that was COVID for, for a lot of things, um, just, they just started seeing, I mean, just more people were just flocking to this, right. Cause people didn't have anything else to do. So they join up for these things. And I mean, so, so that one was wildly successful. So many people have left that, started companies, gotten crazy funding. And so, the, um, and then, so they started adding, well, let's do one for investors. And so there's now like a fellowship for investors and um, angel investors. And so, cause, so it all started with like, well, what else do founders need? Right. And then, so then they started thinking, well, they need, they need education. So let's do one course creators. They need people who can write. So they got a writers. There's a podcast is one. So they started adding a lot more of these fellowships and that's how they started expanding out of kind of the, the Silicon Valley founder uh, niche to kind of add creators into that, that space. And now it's, you know, the writing, the podcast community builders is one, my one, there's a speaking one. Um, and so those are all meant to help you to de develop these creative skills. Um, and so that's just been fascinating. And that has only just started, it's only probably been about six months old. And you've got some curious lion um, learning as well. So that's your brand. So it sounds like, has that taken a bit of a backseat now? What, what's the, well, first of all, where does, where does the curious lion name come from? And then what's yeah. your plans sort of moving forward into the future? 
Yeah. Um, so, the, so the name comes from, it's a nod to South Africa. Um, I've always been drawn to the lion. I, not that I'm a major, um, star sign guy, but I'm a Leo. Uh, it's just always, there's a lion behind me. My son's name is Leo. Like, it's just, just don't even ask. It's just lions. <laughs> um, and, then the, <laughs> and then the curious part is, is, you know, curiosity, I think is just the core value of the company. It's about being interested and just asking really good questions about things. And that's how you unlock training in, in, out of people basically. Um, and so, yeah, so that's where it started. Um, it's still very much a going concern. It has taken, um, a bit of a backseat in terms of my focus on growth, but luckily we were at a point at the end of last year where I was bringing in, was building the team a bit more and, and focusing on standard operating procedures throughout the business. So we have uh, not there yet, but we have, we have productized a lot of what we do. Um, and so I basically I'm serving, we're serving all our current clients through that process. And I'm looking to bring someone on to head operations probably in April. Um, by by it's just that takes a long time. I think anybody who knows who is an operator to try to bring someone from outside to operate is, is not easy. Uh, but that looks like we should have that done then. And then we can refocus on on getting more clients in, in through the door. Cool. And that's given you an opportunity then to focus a bit more on what you're building with on deck. So what what is your vision for the on deck course creators? So, yeah, I mean, the biggest thing is that there is no, there is no one global community for course creators. There are a lot of tangential communities of, of marketing and uh, freelancing and writing, and even certain platforms have their own little tribe around them, but they, it's, it's still just, you know, it, there's no like single place for independent course creators basically to go. Um, and so that's, that's the idea. And it's totally, it's global, which is amazing. We've, we've worked on a lot of, a lot of cool ways to be able to include people across time zones and still feel, experience the, the live community-based elements of it. Um, so that's, that's the, that's sort of the, the, the foundation, I guess, of what we're trying to build where it can go, I think is just insane. I like, I have this vision of this idea of superstar teachers where, if we are able to teach people how to teach um, at scale, and so if we get 150 people through four times a year, just think of like how many students they can impact, right? Yeah. This multiplier, like it's just it blows my mind. Um, and so we're starting to look at ways of well, you know, what what's going to come out of that? Can we can we repackage that into degreed programs, college degrees that people can take? a whole series of courses that our course creators, our fellows have created and get some kind of certification at the end of it at like one tenth of the price, one fiftieth of the price of traditional education. Um, you know, and it's education from practitioners, people out there actually doing the thing that they're teaching. Um, so I, I'm extremely bullish on, on that, on the space in general. I, I'm so pleased that you said that because there's nothing which pains me more. I mean, I'm, I was very grateful. I managed to do my degree when it was kind of still cheap to do a degree back in sort of the early 2000s. I think it cost me £3,000 a year to do my degree. So £9,000 in total. And my mum was very generous and paid for it all for me. Yeah. Um, just because she always, you know, valued ed education. But nowadays it costs, um, I think somewhere approaching um, three or four or even five five times the cost now to actually go out and get a degree. And the most challenging thing, thing for me was I've, I've always had this deep passion for business. Um, but I always, I mean, there was elements of the theory, which we learned during, I did a business management degree. So there was elements of the theory, but you never really 
get get business until you actually get your hands dirty and start doing the, the job itself, like doing mm-hmm. business with people. And you might draw on Maslow's hierarchy of needs and a few other of like the theoretical bits. But the, I, I learned more in the first six months of doing, actually doing business than I did in the, the four years I spent doing my degree. Totally. And it, so yeah. the value for money yeah. there, you know, if you can do a course and get a degree level, degree levels worth of knowledge, but practical applicable stuff delivered by people who've been in the trenches and yeah and and done the thing which they're teaching like that's gold absolute gold that's gold and they're telling you what to do next so that at the end of it you've also taken a bunch of action and you actually have like evidence of the work that you've done and, and the learning that you've done amazing i i'm gonna probe the the curious lion thing if that's okay i'm gonna be curious cool. about your lion um so <laughs> Um, is there a point? I mean, because a lion, a lion signifies um, strength and courage and all those good things, doesn't it? And um, mm. amazing traits. Was there any point over the last fifteen years? Maybe. And sorry, apologies if this is a curveball, but um, I'll give you a moment to think about it if you need it. But is there any anything over the last fifteen years where you can kind of put your finger on where it's like you've kind of questioned, you've had a bit of self doubt, and you thought, "God, am I doing the right thing?" Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, right when I first started it, it was this classic case of I had it all mapped out in my head, right? I was going to, the, the initial vision was to create a high quality. So the company, the startup that I was at was doing high quality video production training for the hospitality industry. So, you know, we Marriott, Hilton, those are all clients of ours. Um, and I was like, that's needed. It was beautifully done stuff, just absolutely top quality stuff. Um, that's needed in this old world that I used to be in, which is the financial services consulting world. And so I had a friend who I worked with a lot and he had joined JP Morgan and we sort of threw around this idea and he was like, that sounds amazing. We need this so badly. And so the idea was I'm going to quit this job. I'm going to start my own thing. And my first client's going to be JP Morgan. Not bad, right? Yeah. I mean, that would be a good way to start. Um, I have never had JP Morgan as a client. I've never had a bank as a client. Um, and it was so, it was, the thing that got me the courage just to do it. But then, I mean, the first six months were like, uh, you know, I was, I was also didn't know what I was doing. Right. So I was like sitting around waiting for the phone to ring kind of thing. And like, just, I, I was just so naive. Um, so there, there would be a lot of things that I would have done differently there. Um, one of which would be to just pub to write more often and to publish it. Um, it's been one of the biggest accelerants of my, uh, business now is the, is the content that I've put out there. Like I cannot even begin to describe what value, what serendipity has come out of that. Um, I wish I had done that sooner. Um, things might've been a lot different. Not that I regret any of this, right. But it was just, um, it just took longer, I guess. Um, so that was, that was one lesson. I think the other one is actually when I did start writing and I, I took an online course to write a passage to mentioned earlier. Um, and I took, so I did it towards very early on. It was like the second cohort. And I just felt so out of my depth. I was so intimidated by all these people who were writing like just phenomenally. And I thought I, who am I to like write anything about anything? Like, I don't have any opinion on something relevant to this crowd. Like, and so I went through this whole imposter syndrome thing in a, in a big way then. And my, my writing was also pretty terrible back then. It was very <laughs> like, it was just, I mean, it was just like regurgitated stuff that it, I hadn't found a voice yet, you know, of what, of what I wanted to write. But you know how you do that is you just keep doing it. And it's like, you just have to keep doing it. And eventually you refine that and you even, and it's the hardest thing. Writing is the hardest, most brutal discipline. Um, 
creative discipline, but it was the biggest thing that paid off for me. And so after I went back to do Rite of Passage, um, two or three cohorts later, and I applied to be an alumni mentor because I thought I have a lot of that journey to share, like how difficult it was for me. And I thought, and I got accepted and I, and I led one of those mentor sessions and that's just where things just started to click. And, and I just took more part in the community. I did all the assignments. I just kept getting better and better at writing. Um, Do you think there yeah. was an element there actually? Um, sort of what I've taken from that is like student becomes the teacher because I don't hmm. think you achieve mastery until you actually start practicing it. I mean, that's why it's called a coaching practice or, a, you know, uh, and I, I don't, I've had tons of coaching, but I wouldn't say I would ever have become a good, a better coach until I'd actually started to try to articulate what it was that I was trying to achieve yeah. and actually practicing it out in the real world. hundred, hundred percent agree with that. Yeah. I mean, that's there. I, it's like, there's a, there's a saying like you, you don't really know something until you've taught it. Right. And then it's like that discipline of having to like really go back and think through your accumulated knowledge and the pattern recognition that you've built up over time and like actually connect the dots for people. That's the hard part of teaching. Um, but it also makes you better know it better. And so by teaching your learning, um, yeah, so I, I couldn't agree with that more. I, I'm going to share, um, this is a story actually, which I've, I, I've, I've rarely, I don't think I've ever shared it really um, since I've been an adult, but um, I remember uh, in, a, in sixth form, uh, I was, I did maths. I, I have to admit, I didn't get a particularly good grade in maths, but we had a new teacher who just started in upper six and she was trying to explain a problem and she just made a total hash of it. And I remember I walked, I, I, it was one of the dumbest things I think I've ever done, but I walked up to the front of the classroom, took the pen out of her hand and said, just sit down, let me do it. I was, I was proper, proper little sort of 17 year old brat I was anyway, <laughs> but I did it. And I, I went through the maths with her and she actually went, Fair enough, you've got it right, and I wasn't doing it correctly. But please, can you go and see the head of sixth form because you're in trouble? And yeah. um, but I remember how empowering it was in that moment of actually getting up there and and going through that process of actually teaching um, teaching something to the rest of the class. When you know, albeit I probably could have done it in a more a better way. I don't know. Mm -hmm. but kind of for me, that was the part of the journey where I was like, yeah, okay, I, I could do bigger things, better things. Um, and then, yeah, I got a massive bollocking from the head of sick form. Yeah. <laughs> but so with it. And it's, it's funny like that. I think that's such a seminal experience for people. And I think if you really think about it in your life, you probably, I think, I think it's this, maybe, I don't know, this is, is this a stretch? Everyone has had a moment where they're teaching someone else, right? It may just be someone in your family. It's like, but you've all taken on that role of teaching and, there is so much to learn from doing that. Um, and if you really pay attention to it, it's, it's a fascinating skill. Well, your little boy, I'd imagine probably, you know, is, is one of the biggest challenges which you'll have. Like, certainly with my girls, um, Poppy and Sophie, having to sit down and homeschool them. Oh my gosh. I, I've got a newfound respect. I mean, it's one thing teaching adults through a business course, but it's a total, totally different thing teaching children like the, the basics, which we've all had to learn at some point in the past. So yeah. big yeah. hat tip to all the teachers out there. That's for sure. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Awesome. Um, so what's, um, uh, we're, we're kind of coming towards the close of the interview now, Andrew, and hopefully that, hopefully we've inspired sort of um, a handful of business owners, maybe more than that, to go on a journey and maybe create an online course for themselves or for their business and to teach a wider audience. But um, uh, so thank you, first of all, for coming on and talking to us today about um, what you've been up to and um, letting everybody um, 
hear about uh, how passionate you are about online courses. Uh, if somebody wants to reach out to you, um, how can they get in touch? And also just give us a quick intro into what's coming up with On Deck as well. Yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks, Robin. This is uh, like, I just cannot, I, I, I don't think I can articulate how excited I am for the, the potential of people, anybody out there who's coaching, consulting, like the, your ability to scale that impact to, to, to so many is just a, it's just a, a, a journey away of learning that skill of teaching. Um, and so that's what we're doing with the, the course creator fellowship. Um, so if you go onto our website for that, it's um, beyonddeck.com forward slash course dash creator. Also, if you just go to beyonddeck.com, you'll see it at the top with all the different programs. And it's an eight week fellowship. What we're going to do is take people through this journey together. Right. And that's like the other amazing part, right? You're going to be with hundred to 150 other course creators working on this, on your courses together, learning from each other, best practices, trying different things and sharing that. So I'm excited to learn a lot from it. I also feel the pressure of coming up with this meta course on courses. So that's going to be interesting. Uh, but I think we're going to have such a, a, a fun time that kicks off on April 11th. Um, that was, that's the first one, um, we'll be doing, we'll be doing more later in the year, I think in July and, and November. Um, but that first one is going to really shape what this whole thing is. And that's going to come down to the the people that we've got. So you know, I was sharing with you at the beginning, we're at about 80 or so who have signed up already. So we have a few spots left. Um, and we're really handpicking those people. I mean, I've been on like hundreds of interviews and, and it's, and so is my, my course manager and it's been incredible just pe meeting people who are passionate about teaching who have these really ins insanely valuable skills to share so i'm just really excited for, for the that that community um and then for anyone out there who just wants to reach out and chat the best places on twitter i'm, I'm very active there uh, you can you can reach me at bazaruto it's b-a-z-z-a-r-u-t-o um, yeah, I will, I always respond to DM. So definitely let me know if you are thinking about an online course. Awesome. We'll make sure that we share all of those links in the um, show notes as well, Andrew, and do go and drop Andrew a DM. If you've got any questions about online courses, uh, uh true to his word, I, I follow Andrew and he's incredibly active on Twitter. So, uh, lots of valuable information and insights, which you can pick up by following him as well. Um, so final question then Andrew, and we'll call it a wrap. So, um, we're going to jump into the fearless business time machine it's a little bit like the delorean and back to the future although slightly better i'd say um <laughs> you get to punch in a year in the past uh, and you're going to go back and have a word with andrew so what year is it and what would you say to him yeah so i would go back to when i first came to the states from south africa uh 2009 um i had a lot more time on my hands than i had when i was well, especially the beginning because i didn't know anybody here right I, I knew one person um and then and so I had a lot of time on my hands. I was actually doing quite a lot of writing at the time. I published like a little blog that, um, that I was, um, that I was interested that I it's just basically was sharing what I was up to with family back home. But I would say to that, Andrew, then take your writing more seriously, take publishing content more seriously and turn what you were consuming into production into writing. That's like, that was such a turning point for me. Once I've realized to do this, um, and so, you know, I was writing just like, this is what I did this weekend type stuff, which wasn't like uh, relevant to people outside of a small, you know, network of friends. Um, but I was obviously, I was reading a ton of great books at the time. And now that I have this discipline, like I, my bookshelf is like the, the ones that I've taken notes on and shared writing on, and then all the ones that I haven't, and I've got to like 
go back and read all of those because, um, cause I wasn't in that discipline of, of thinking about what I was consuming and then sharing those ideas with people. And I'm, I, anybody out there who, who hasn't done this yet or is skeptical about the value of doing that, it has been honestly the biggest difference and the biggest, uh, multiplier or, um, yeah, accelerator for my career in, and it's sort of only really started happening last year. So that's why if I, I just can imagine if I went back to 2009 and started doing it then, how much better I'd be at it now. She talked about it. You just get better through reps. Um, but also just how much, how many other opportunities would come up? I mean, you, that's I, all the businesses, you know, is now is mostly inbound because of just putting out good content and people go, cause th this is, this is what it comes down to is that the good, the, the amazing content, the writing that you put out shows people how you think. And it's, that's like, that's what people are looking for. Right? That's due diligence for someone who wants to then, you know, engage you for your services. So that, that would be my advice to, to younger Andrew. hundred percent. And I, I would totally agree with that actually, but it's interesting because Parkinson's law states, you know, that if you give more time to the same task, you make it X number of times more complex to fill up the time. So all mm. that's happened is I think unconsciously you've, you've applied Parkinson's law. You, you've just shortened the timeline to deliver this content, <laughs> yeah. which means that it's probably still exactly the same quality. It's just, it felt like it was a bit more under pressure. And That's what and I love I, about you. Yeah. <laughs> you make me feel a lot better about that. <laughs> but I, it's interesting because I, I share a very similar sort of thing as well. Um, I mean, I, I was a little bit late to the, the party in terms of writing, but um, for me, it was always about, um, like when I left uni, sort of back in 2004, um, I thought, that's it. I'm done now. I, I don't need to read another book. I'm done. My learning's over. And this, and then, but it wasn't, I didn't really see the greatest advances in my adult life until I started picking up business books again. And what, one's actually on the shelf behind me, Built to Sell, was one of the first business, proper business books I picked up. Mm. And um, absolutely transformed my life. And I, I do, there are part times when I look back and I kind of regret not, not, starting on that sort of on my personal development journey sooner, but you don't, you just don't know that, do you? You just no. don't know that at the time. You can no. never judge that. So, um, so I, I think you've created great things because the diamonds created under pressure. You just started a bit later. That's all. Yeah, no, I appreciate <laughs> that. And it did help also just the COVID thing. I think that was just a great forcing function when you had nothing else to do. Right. So I just, just read a lot more, wrote a lot more. Yeah. 100%. Awesome. Well, listen, Andrew, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank mm -hmm. you so much for giving up your time uh, this afternoon or this morning over in your neck of the woods. Um, uh, we've uh, had so many great insights and really enjoyed chatting to you. Thank you. Thank you, Robin. I love this, this show and the whole format. I love everything you're doing here. So thanks for having me. Nice.